Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Health Suites with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon. Now, have you ever looked in the mirror and wished you had a sharper nose with a higher bridge? Well, many of us have done more than merely wished it. And today, I am joined by Dr. Elias Tam from EHA Clinic to talk about filler injections as a non-surgical alternative to rhinoplasty. But we're also going to try to address some of the potential risks associated with nose fillers and how to avoid and prevent them. Doctor, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Welcome to the show. Uh, Happy Chinese New Year. I hope you had a great time. Oh, yes. A good rest. (laughs) A good rest indeed. Now, maybe you can start by answering this question. Why is it that us Asians, you know, the, the nose bridge augmentation procedures are so popular among us Asians? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you see, the eyes is what bring, is, a, is a window to our soul. Mm-hmm. And the eyes is actually require framing. When we talk to someone, look at the eyes. And it's actually framed by our eyebrow, the temple, the cheek, and the nose. So without a high nose bridge, which is very common among Asian or more oriental people, we tend to have one side of the frame missing. So it would be quite common for a lot of us to want to improve the nose bridge so as to look more pleasing. Right. So basically, we're vain and we want to be prettier. Yeah, I think so. But <laughs> occasionally, I have guys who, who are sent to see us because the feng shui master say that the nose bridge is too small, too low. You right. need to enhance it in order to improve your feng shui. So and we have cases like that as well. And we're Asian, so that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. You're right. Okay. <laughs> Now, maybe before we talk about the non-surgical alternative, could you give us a, a quick overview of the surgical rhinoplasty? Well, in the surgical rhinoplasty, which is what it implies, is actually to improve the nose. But it can be actually divided into functional, to improve the function of the nose, like to make it breathe better, mm-hmm. or to make it look more pleasing, enhancing the nose, or making it sharper. So that is atypical. And it, can, it is often a surgical procedure that requires either a breaking of the bone to realign it or to just put a uh, implant to enhance the nose. Depending on the bridge itself? Yeah, depending on what you would like to improve on. All right. Okay, so that is the surgery and uh, I assume there's a lot of downtime to that. Oh, definitely, because um, you, if, imagine if you need to break the bone to realign it, we will put a uh, plaster scene over it to actually mold it. So it takes weeks and months for it to recover. Okay, I actually have, not because of vanity, but because I'm an idiot, broke my nose. Ah, yes. <laughs> and I, I remember I had black eyes and, my, and I looked yeah. like I, I went, you know, for a boxing match and lost. Ah. Uh, and, and it was for quite a while. You know, it was, right. I, it had to be for at least a week or two, I, I think. I looked quite, mild, I quite scary. <laughs> They didn't have to break it and put it back into shape, did you? No, they didn't have to break it again. I had already broken it. Okay. <laughs> but no, they didn't have to break it to realign it. So yeah, it was not as bad as, as it could have been, but it was quite a bit of downtime before I, I dared to show my face in public. Ah, oh, right. So okay. if you're talking about that as, as a beauty procedure, as you know, an enhancement procedure, then I can understand why 
the next thing that we're talking about, the uh, hyaluronic acid filler injections, become so popular because I'm sure the downtime is much less. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you talk about non-surgical, it can either be a filler or no strap. Both are actually quite simple to do and the downtime is much lesser compared to a surgical rhinoplasty. Okay, so let's talk about these hyaluronic acid filler injections. Right. What, um, what kind of a change in aesthetic can you get from them? Well, it will definitely not be as significant as a surgical rhinoplasty. Mm-hmm. But what you can do if you just want to improve a slight, um, like just a little bit higher or a little bit wider, or if it's just a slight deviation, crooked nose a little bit, and just want to fit it up, you can actually do that and you can make yourself look better, such as almost like having put on a shadow on the nose without having to do it. Right, okay. And what kind of downtime are we talking about? Oh, I would say that normally just a day. We have people who come in, do it, and then went back to work and nobody know what they have done. Okay. <laughs> That's, I think a lot of people are like, what? Okay, what? Tell, tell me more. Now, what do you, as a doctor, take into consideration before recommending these nose fillers to a patient? Well, actually, there are many considerations. The first thing is that do they have any medical condition? Because some of the complications would be more common among certain people, such as people with diabetes that's uncontrolled or if they have some, if they're on certain medication. Um, so, first of all, we want to know why do they want to improve it for a for reason that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And if they're comfortable with fillers and if um, and the complication are they willing to accept some of those complications even those they are not common they will, we want to know that they are able to accept those risks right okay um, I, I think that this is something that has got a lot of people's interest I, I know that when I announced that I was going to be doing this interview a lot of my friends quietly were like hey ask him this hey ask okay, him sure. this <laughs> So now the question, of course, is, now you answered the big one, which is mm-hmm. the downtime. Right. Um, how long does it last? Which one? The, the effects? The effects, yes. Okay. So depending on what fillers or do we use thread, uh, fillers typically would last anything between six months to a year. Mm-hmm. And for some individual, it lasts up to two years. Wow, that's, that's a long and, and, time. Yeah, and that's provided we're using, talking about those absorbable fillers. There are some fillers that are so-called semi-permanent and even permanent fillers, um, and that would last really long. Mm-hmm. But one of the important things to consider when you talk about using permanent fillers, if you have a complication, it's going to be a permanent complication. Okay, can you explain permanent complication? Yeah, so uh, in the past, they used to inject silicone. And right. of course, you will then the body will react to it. The body will always try to purge anything that's foreign. And in cases like people who have gone to inject in like silicon, the body would react to it. It's a question of when, and it will start to become thicker and thicker, and the skin gets stuck to it. And you get this siliconoma that is ridiculously, it looks like the Cleon on Star Trek. Right. We don't want that. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, that, that's, uh, that we'll talk more about these kind of mistakes or, or complications. Uh, the other thing is, how painful are they? Uh, what I would say is minimal. It's only the, the point of injection. So it's a little dot. And um, after that, once the filler goes in, it usually contains some form of uh, anesthetic uh, component like a lidocaine, and you will be numb. Mm-hmm. 
And by the time the procedure is over, you won't feel anything. It wasn't Not terribly really, painful. Yeah. No. And the downtime is, is 24 hours at best. Uh, worst case scenario, of course, if you're talking about bruising, then that they may last a little bit longer. But oh. other than that, no, it should be all right. All right, we're talking to Dr. Elias Tam from EHA Clinic. Now let's come back to some of the common mistakes, some of the common complications associated with nose mm-hmm. fillers. Now, we started to talk about how or why these occur. I'm assuming it is not an, a mistake when... You know, when you're talking about silicon and the body rejecting it, that's just something that happens. The body reacts to the silicon. Yes. So, so that, that would be because it's the wrong type of fillers. We don't use silicon anymore. It okay. should not be used. Yes. So we don't use silicon anymore. No, we don't. Right about um, examples of patients that might have come to you and said, Doctor, save me because I might have had a substandard procedure somewhere else. Maybe they went to a beautician instead of coming straight to you. Can you fix those problems? Uh, Well, I hope we could, but it doesn't always... uh, It's not always that easy. Mm -hmm. Well, I had one case when uh, this girl went to overseas Mm -hmm. and did her filler injection. um, And she called one of her friends who, who happened to be my main long-term patient saying that, oh, it's a little bit swollen. I don't really like it. Can I get your doctor to dissolve it for me when I come home tomorrow? So I said, well, can you send a photo? How swollen is it? It turned out that when I look at the picture, I almost fainted because it, it was looked, a little bit more than just swollen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a vascular compromise. It, it, it just looked terrible. I tried, we tried to get someone to see her there, but it turned out to be a weekend. No one was around. Um, and she couldn't wait. She came back. Um, when we look at it, it's definitely a vascular compromise. We did everything we could. Fortunately, um, after almost one month of treatment, which includes a lot of treatment, a lot of treatment, um, she, we managed to save her nose with mm-hmm. minimum scarring. But that is a really lucky case because very often there will be permanent scarring right. if there's a vascular compromise. Right. So this is definitely a reason why when you come to some of these kinds of treatments, you might save a little bit of money if you think about going to an aesthetician or beautician rather than going and seeing a medical professional, but you really should be going to a medical professional. Yeah, the, the risk is just not worth it. It's not worth it. All right, now let's talk about the, the cost of fixing something like this. I'm assuming it would be much, much higher than, than the, any money that you save going to an unlicensed or, you know, not a medical professional. Yeah, I think, I think all in all, because we had to send her to hospitals, we had to send her to hyperbaric treatment. Um, all in all, she probably spent, I think, easily 10 times, if not more, than what she paid for the fillers over in, you know, in the overseas country. Right. Okay. All right. Not That's definitely it. something to think about. If um, you want to take these kind of procedures seriously, I mean, if you are considering it, if you want to save money for it, you want to spend money for it, why should patients choose reputable, licensed, experienced doctors? This is, this is a story for why. Absolutely. All right. Now, let's go back to post-treatment precautions. Now, uh-huh. this is interesting because... I have sinus problems, Mm. right? So if I were to have uh, a filler problem 
and I have a runny nose every morning, does that actually affect my viability as a candidate for fillers? Well, if, if you have a lot of uh, problem around the nose, you find out that you may not be a good candidate because you, you may be dealing with a bigger issue. And I would certainly want to try and treat this allergic rhinitis that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where you find that you have sneezing and all that. Get that sorted out first because then it would be much better and the chances of the fillers getting infected or getting pushed to the site because they've been squeezing and rubbing your nose all the time. It's, it's probably much wiser to get it treated first. Okay. And allergic rhinitis can be treated. All right. Or at least get under control before you do any further treatment. So if somebody nose. is thinking about having a, a filler injection or even the threads that you were talking about, but they do have sinus problems or they do suffer from you know, allergies maybe that will give them runny noses, on a regular basis, they might want to seriously reconsider and talk to a medical professional yes, first. get it sorted out first. At least get it under control to make sure that you know, it will be much safer. All right. Now, what kind of post-treatment precautions should the average patient that doesn't have you know, allergies and, and these kind of problems, what kind of post-treatment precautions should they take? Yeah. Well, okay. So the common one would be things like infection and bruising. So definitely, they will want to make sure they don't take any things that may increase the chances of bruising. So all the vitamin E, ginkgo, aloe vera, all the herbal things like the tangui, ginseng, all that, must, we should stop taking them. Avoid alcohol, avoid excessive heat, um, strenuous activities for at least 48 hours. I am very careful. So I ask my patient to avoid all these things for two weeks. Before the procedure or uh, after? If you can stop it uh, two weeks before, that'll be good, but after as well. So before and after. Right, okay. And, you know, if, if um, some of my girlfriends who do get these kind of procedures done are any indication, most of them are vain enough to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> now, even if we come to a doctor like you, your experience, this is your specialty, are there complications that a patient might experience after the procedure? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the common one would be a bit of bruising, which sometimes happens a bit later. There mm-hmm. are medications they can take to reduce the bruise and reduce the swelling. What we are more afraid of will be things like infection, um, especially if they touch the entry wounds um, before it has actually dried up. Um, putting on makeups, they should avoid putting makeups for at least 48 hours, but mm-hmm. some people just can't. They would just do it without telling us, so then run the risk of infection. Sometimes infection just happens, even if you try your best. And in those cases, they will notice swelling, pain, fever, and they must come back quickly so that we can start on the antibiotics. And in some cases, we actually dissolve the fillers so as to get rid of the area, the protection for the bacteria, and we can clear up the infection. Right, then at a later date, do the filler again. Yeah, so those are the ones that is common. The uncommon one, we are worried about things like vascular compromise. We're worried that the fillers go into the blood vessels and causing the very rare blindness. But it can happen, but it's very rare. It's very rare. Okay, when you say very rare, you're saying one in 10,000 or something like that? I think less than that. In Singapore, I think the number of fillers done is probably way more than 10,000. Okay. I think there are probably only a couple of cases that happened before, and typically it's probably by some inexperienced doctors. Um, and there are ways to try and minimize the risk. And, uh, for example, 
for doctors, we will want to make sure that they get themselves really well trained. Uh, we do organize courses. Uh, we do cadaveric dissection so as to help the doctors to understand the anatomy better and to choose cannula that is really huge, much bigger than the blood vessels. So mm-hmm. when the cannula is really big, cannula is like a needle that is blunt. And if it's, if it's really fat, you can't have a cannula going to a blood vessel that's smaller than the cannula. Right, right. I understand a lot of you aesthetic doctors also try out these procedures on yourselves. <laughs> Not many, but I've seen people trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds crazy painful. I, I would suggest that we do it on the cadaver. <laughs> uh, that is what I've been doing since 2010. We've organized a yearly <laughs> cadaver course where doctors get to practice it on a cadaver. And I think there's safer options to do Than <laughs> to your try. own face. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. All right, okay. Now, if somebody is listening to this and they're interested and they want to find out more, what is the first step they should make? Well, the first thing is to, you can try and read up a lot more on the internet, make an appointment to see a doctor, have ready all the questions that you have, mm-hmm. ask the question, make sure you're satisfied with all the, the answers before you proceed. All right, that's great advice. Now, we've been speaking with Dr. Elias Tan from EHA Clinic about non-surgical alternatives to rhinoplasty. Doctor, thank you for the information. It has been a pleasure. Same here. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. This is Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.